Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How I was able to continue to come back and continue to want to prove people wrong was because it was my purpose. It was my intention. I woke up every day, I stared in the mirror, and I said, you will be a starting NFL fullback. You will be a starting NFL fullback. I can be an NFL starting fullback. And I really set the precedent of what I wanted and what I want most. And I'm a big believer, and I don't lose until I quit. And so I knew if I continued, if I got another opportunity, I had learned from the locker rooms I had left I had stolen stuff from them that I was going to go and use. And it was on this trajectory that I realized very quickly there were certain things in my control. There were certain things not in my control. I have to stop looking at what is out there and what is within my control. How can I control the controllables? And it brought me to three things. A-P-E. So I say control your ape. A is your attitude. What is your morning mantra? What are the seeds you are planting in your head each and every day, looking in a mirror or just saying it to yourself that is gonna start your mindset. P is preparation. How am I preparing for what I'm going to do? How is what I'm doing now gonna prepare me for the future? And the third one is E for effort. Something that takes absolutely zero talent, zero skill, is to show up and give everything. And that effort really came to fruition when I accepted like, Hey, I'm on a battlefield. I'm either gonna to walk off uh, with my shield or on it type of mindset. And that's the mentality you gotta have at that level. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. This show is all about insights and explores how transformational moments of awakening have helped propel the lives and careers of remarkably successful people. These major breakthroughs teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. On this episode, I interview the fullback of finance, Jedediah Collins. After a successful career in the NFL, Jed's now on a mission to empower a million people to own their financial stories. He's an author, a speaker, a podcaster, and a teacher. And his story is one of grit and determination. In fact, I can't think of another person who has more tenacity than Jed. He was a high school superstar and was recruited to play D1 football, but quickly realized there were other standouts he was competing with. He was recruited as a linebacker, but ended up becoming a tight end and ultimately set the school record for most receptions. There are over 380 collegiate athletes, and yet only 1% of them make it to a professional level. Despite having success in college, Jed knew it would be challenging to make it as a pro, but that didn't stop him. It wasn't a smooth ride by any means, and we'll dive deep into his story as he shares how he got cut over and over and over again before finally landing a starting role for the Super Bowl defending New Orleans Saints. Not only did he become a starter, he was even named to the Pro Bowl team. Jed was part of what he calls the Breakfast Club, where he was one of the first people in the locker room learning and understanding what it takes to be a peak performer. A constant theme for Jed is he's been able to steal success from each organization he's been a part of. 
and we get a first row seat to hear the fascinating stories of how he learned from iconic athletes like Drew Brees. After realizing that only 30% of NFL athletes actually walk away with their financial dreams still intact, Jed decided to take things into his own hands, and during the off-seasons, he studied and he learned about the financial world and actually became a certified financial advisor. On the show, we cover a lot of ground, including why thoughts are things, the difference between external and internal success, why repetition matters, how to silence the voice of quit, and why we should focus on most versus now. At the core of Jed's philosophy is the belief that we must eliminate potential. Jed has a winner's mindset and shares how one-on-one basketball competitions with his brothers as a kid made an impact on his entire life. We also learned why he feels his greatest asset, above all else, is his lifelong habit of journaling. This one is truly one of my favorite interviews, and I'm so excited to share it with you on this episode of Inside Out. Jedediah Collins, welcome to Inside Out. Billy, you know how excited I am to be here, brother. Enjoying getting to know you and seeing this venture you're taking off on, brother. Oh, man, the feeling is so mutual, and I can't tell you enough how grateful I am for you to take the time to be on the show, to share your insights, to share your incredible career, and we're going to get into all of that. But I want to start with something that really impressed me about something that you've done for most of your life, and that is journaling. Mm. You are an avid journaler, and I want to hear about that. What You say it's your greatest asset and skill, and you've been keeping a journal since you were a teenager. Talk to me about that and why that's been so powerful. Oh, man. Great open. So this is truly my father's greatest gift to me. He was a journaler, and he's an introvert, which, you know, that was his escape. That was his uh, relationship he built. But journaling has been a, such an experience for me. If you are religious, it is the most spiritual you will ever feel. If you are a someone looking for progress and success, it is the best measurement and task. So what I did was I, I just began writing out my emotions. And that's how you begin. Everybody sees a wh- blank piece of paper and says, you know, I don't know what to write. Just write whatever comes to your mind. Believe me, you'll start filling up pages. And it's that voice in your head that you start to really get down Something you and I believe in is this idea of thoughts become things. And I believe thoughts become things after you write them down because the power of writing down your goals, your emotions, your feelings really quantifies it. And so for me, my journal has been a documentation of my growth, both personally and professionally. It has given me stories upon stories. So you know, everybody talks about my NFL career. I have probably six journals filled of my time, my travels through the National Football League, and I can't wait to share them. A lot of the stories I get to share in workshops and presentations today, but the power I have of going and picking up a journal and not only meeting 20-year-old Jed, but also meeting him at his highs and at his lows. So, Journaling to me is one of the secret skills of success. And even today, when we used to stand in front of rooms and and deliver as public speakers, 
people would come up to me afterwards and be like, hey, man, what course did you take or, or how did you get good at speaking? I'm like, I sat in a room by myself for a long time and I wrote. And that is where communication begins. And anytime you really want to get people to understand a thought, it starts in your journal. Wow. And here, here's the thing. What you've just said in an interesting way is it's almost like your memory. You know, oh. you can, you know what I mean? You could have career in, in the NFL and remember only snapshots, only nuggets here and there. But to remember day by day, it, it's, it's impossible. Priceless. There's a baseball book called Ball Four where uh, a veteran baseball pitcher journals for a year and it's one of his last years playing. And it's just, it's a tremendous read. I get to go very vividly through my wife and I's six-day honeymoon. Why? Because each night I sat and I wrote every detail of those days. And that makes, you know, we have some pictures, but she enjoys when I flip one open. And, you know, we have other days that I got to capture, but it is absolutely your memory and kind of a morbid thought. Journaling for me took an uptick from college to the NFL and into my life today because of the realization of what was happening around football and happening around my brain. And it was a it was a disturbing thought, but I really had the conscious decision of like, man, this NFL journey, I'm going to forget more of it than I remember for more reasons than one. But I want to at least be able to share it with my kids and my family. And that's where journaling really took a hold of my life was when I realized I wanted to share my memories and my emotions with the future me and future family. And so that's what I am so excited about is they get to live and breathe with me through the trials and tribulations. Yeah, that is a great side benefit. Not only are you protecting yourself, but also having something that you could share ultimately with people, but also with your family. And and what you've talked about really is a habit that you've built. And specifically one habit that I know you have, and it really ties into your career, which is meditation. And I, I remember listening to you being interviewed, and I don't recall which show it was, but you talked about neuroplasticity of the brain and your protection of your brain. Let's face it, as mm-hmm. a football player, I know it was on your mind. I know you took measures to protect yourself while playing, but you're also doing things today, specifically meditation. Curious why and how that helps with the neuroplasticity and what else you're doing from a habit standpoint, from a protecting your brain standpoint, because it is something really important, especially for somebody like yourself. It's tremendous. And, you know, we started talking about journaling it, it all. And I, I look at silver linings through a traumatic and through a, a crazy experience of playing football. It forced me to begin journaling, begin meditating. Why? Because of that neuroplasticity thought, the idea that your brain continues to adapt and evolve for history. We all thought we got to a certain time and place in our lives and it just started to deteriorate. I forced myself to believe that was not true. Meditation is one of those beautiful level setting moments of a day. Even before we jumped on, we we just took some breaths. So I am very interested in my brain today. I used to use it as my job to move people and now I'm using it as my job to move and empower people. So what where I see the idea of meditation fitting in along with omega-3s, vitamins, along with just simple water, breathing, sleep. Sleep is a huge and you know each year we learn more and more about sleep and impact on your brain. But then also looking at investing into it, reading, 
writing, listening to music, just different ways to stimulate your brain. I am very interested in because I believe it's regenerating. I believe it's growing. And I also believe it's one of the most complex, dynamic things in our universe. The the human brain is an amazing mechanism. And as it can evolve and change, you can also trick it to change in the direction you want it to go. So as you build out habits, you begin to program it. And even though it is such a complex and beautiful thing, you can also plant seeds in it or tell it what to do. And so the idea of meditation for me was absolutely about brain health, but then it began to be about self-reflection and about level setting and really trying to either start or end my day on a way that is going to be a positive investment into tomorrow and not just zoned out looking at a TV screen. Right, because if you're not, it's like any muscle, right? It atrophies and it is a muscle. And if we're not using it, if we're not doing the things to help it regenerate and to be active, guess what? That's when you start to see, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist. I don't play one on TV, but it makes perfect sense to me that as the biggest muscle in our body is the most powerful. And as you said, truly one of the most magnificent things in the universe of all things, Mm -hmm. the brain should be something we invest in. We should learn about. And a big part of this show is understanding how our brain works and how we have more insights and how we can set ourselves up so that we have our brain for the majority, if not all of our lives. I loved, because I dove into this to to get the foundations and to get the science. Again, I'm not a neuroscientist, but there's a book called Train Your Mind, Change Your Brain. And really a lot of what we know about brain studies began in the 70s with animals. And this is horrific and you can never do these tests today, but they would amputate, you know, limbs on, on monkeys and they would look at where the stimulation of using your right arm was in a brain. And then when you amputate it, where does that part of your brain go? And they could see that other aspects of what you would do would start to stimulate that part of your brain. And so even though that limb was gone, your brain would evolve and adapt. It is an amazing, trippy little experience. But Yes, as a football player who is faced with the daily realization of like CTE and what is damage, you know, because I, 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 I hit people with my head. This was before, you know, people started to warn against it. I look at it and say, if that damage is done, what can I do today? I can meditate. I can breathe. I can sleep. I can journal. I can invest in it and see it continue to evolve. Yeah, you can't undo what happened, but you Mm -hmm. may be able to undo what it caused through concerted effort and doing everything in your power. I mean, that's all you really can do. You can't go into the past and undo what actually happened. And to your point, at the time, you didn't know. I mean, this has all happened in the last 10, 15 years. You've been playing football longer than that. In fact, I want to talk a little bit about your high school career. So You, I mean, I'm a SoCal guy too. I'm from LA. Mm -hmm. You're an Orange County guy. You you grew up in San Juan Capistrano, the fourth kid of of five. You were the MVP of the South Coast League and you were Orange County Defensive Player of the Year. You were CIF Player of the Year in football and basketball. (laughs) You were first team All-State and you were the Orange County Athlete of the Year and you were part of the incredible winning streak, 41 wins in a row at Mission Viejo High School. Incredible. And so what that, of course, led to was your 
college career where you recruited as a linebacker at Washington State, but then you shifted much like you've done throughout your career to take on a new position at tight end. And you didn't just run through the motions. I mean, maybe you did run through the motions, Uh but, but you didn't just do the bare minimum. In fact, you set the school record for most catches. So my question to you is, what do you attribute your success early and we'll get into the NFL part, which that's a mm-hmm. whole other fascinating part of your career, but dominating in high school, dominating in college. I mean, clearly there's always going to be some natural skill, but I have a feeling that it didn't all rely on your, your God-given ability. It re- you brought more to the table. And so I'm mm-hmm. curious, what was your recipe? What did you do to be successful at an early age? So one thing I, I learned early on was through a game my dad created. So I, I come from a basketball family. You mentioned CIF Player of the Year, which I, I am very proud of. We, we won CIF that year. But my dad invented a game called King for a Day. And it was me and my two older brothers playing one-on-one basketball and going out on the court. And the winner of that day got to declare themselves king and boss the other two brothers around. Go get me a drink of water. Go take out the trash and do all those kinds of things. And I remember we played thousands of times, king for a day, every day. And I remember very vividly, I won twice. And so what that did for me from an early age was it taught me how to not see failure as final, not to see losing as making me a loser. And it began a new measurement for myself of the difference between a win and success. Win is an external measurement. We go compete against each other. I'm trying to beat you. That's a win. Success to me is an internal measurement. Success is something that if I walk off this court, even though I'm not king for a day, I took a step, I gained an inch, I went in that direction, then I can declare today a success. In the long game, my objective is to stack successful days and to become the person and the thing I want to become. So early on, learning those lessons really played a lot of a tribute to how I would approach sports in myself as a personality. Playing at Mission Viejo, we went 41 games in a row without defeat. That was, you know, in Southern California, it's very competitive. That was Mm -hmm. a very neat experience, and it taught me to be a winner. It taught me the taste and what it was like to be a champion. And that identification as a young athlete, but as a young man, to consider myself a winner to walk out onto a, a field of competition and naively say, I know I'm going to win this. That was a certain set of self-confidence that I got to take with me throughout my life, throughout every trial I would go into. And as high school taught me to win, college humbled me. And you know, I went to college as this all-state linebacker, and it was very early. I played a little linebacker. I played a little this, little that, but I was never going to find a home. And I wasn't fast enough. Quite simply put, you know, my resume didn't stack up. And how many people today are looking at a job they know they can go do, but their resume or something in their background is prohibiting them. And so what my responsibility was always to get reps, get out on the field and to show I am a football player. I'm not a sprinter. I'm not a, a, you know, we we called it an airport kind of player. Because as you walk through an airport and see a traveling team or something, you notice the like big, strong guys or the athletic looking dudes. That was never me. I was never the one that stood out. And so as I went to college, it wasn't until my senior year, my the midway through my junior year, our starting tight end got hurt and I got thrust into an opportunity. 
But if I had just been thrust into that space and I wasn't prepared for it, or I didn't have the mindset, or I wasn't getting the mental reps, I would have never have found success. And it just so happened that game was against UCLA. And yeah, got a couple balls and a touchdown. We won the game. It's not a big deal. Uh, But it was such an an interesting experience saying my freshman year, it felt like a fail. My sophomore year was a total loss. I didn't play really at all. My junior year, I was I, I felt like I could beat the guy out in front of me, but I never had the opportunity. Football allows some opportunity. He got hurt. And then it wasn't until my senior year that I finally got to stand and say, all of those times I thought about transferring. I thought about quitting. I thought about walking away. We all feel those. Don't kid yourself. Even though I am a very self-assured, self-driven person, I hear that voice. But it was the king for a day. It was the the winner's mindset. It was those things that continued to push me forward. And you're right. I had a tremendous senior year. It opened up a door I never really thought was going to open with the National Football League. And it was that mindset that if I continue to find success, if I continue to fall forward, I know that voice of quit is going to get quieter and quieter. And they are always going to be there. But I believed I had the power to shut it out. Yeah. Silencing that voice of quit is just such a fundamental part of anything worthwhile in life, whether it be an entrepreneurial pursuit or an athletic pursuit or anything. I mean, the grit factor and tenacity is the word that comes to mind when I think of you. You are as tenacious as they come. And your NFL career was not unlike your college (laughs) career. So I'm just going to Bear with me, and I'll have to read some of this, but you were signed as an undrafted free agent by the Philadelphia Eagles. You were then waived during final cuts. You were then re-signed to the team's practice squad, right? And then you were cut a month later. A similar thing happened when you were signed with the Chicago Bears. You then made the active roster of the Browns, but only for two games, mm-hmm. and then you were waived, yet to be signed again to their practice squad. You then signed a two-year deal with the Chiefs, but... Again, you were waived during final cuts. You were signed with the Cardinals. Again, you were released a month later. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but I can't help but to laugh. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, when I found out all this stuff, okay. Then you were re-signed with the Browns. Sorry, I just lost my plate. Right. Yeah, re-signed with the Browns. (laughs) Practice got. But you were waived once again before reaching training camp. So this is pretty much the same story you had with the Titans, but you didn't give up, brother. You did not give up. It was finally when you were signed with the Saints to the practice squad. The Saints, they they were defending Super Bowl champs. I mean, it was a great team to be on. And so probably in the back of your mind, like, what am I doing mm-hmm. playing for the defending Super Bowl champions? Or maybe it's like, maybe you weren't thinking, I don't know. I, I want to dig in on that. But you spent the entire 2010 season on their practice squad. And then, much like what happened in college, their starting fullback retired you became the starter. You did not give up. No matter how many times you faced adversity, no matter how many times you had the door shut, no matter how many times you got the phone call or you got the notification that you're no longer on the team, you did not give up. You kept going and going and going. And guess what? You finally got your opportunity to be a starting player in the National Football League. How many people can say that? When you thought in college, your resume didn't stack up. Here you are at the highest level in the world. Man, I am just so honored to know you. And I want to explore, how did you do that? 
it's honestly, it's, it's super humbling hearing all the stops, you know? And again, I journaled them. I remember them. And I would like to say the cut, the hurt got less bad as I went along, but no, each one was a shot to the heart. Each one, you know, you go and you, you just, you don't, you're lost. This identification you've had since you were 10 years old as being an athlete could be over is probably over and you get a trash bag and they tell you to go clean out your locker. And I, you know, I have a ton of workout clothes still to this day of all the teams I was on because I was leaving there. I'm like, well, I'm for sure taking this sweatshirt. Like, forget you guys. <laughs> Pardon uh, gift. Yeah. Thank you. And it's funny because yes, the, the fullback Heath Evans, he retired. That's the beautiful part of a story. They actually signed another fullback. So when I went into training camp, I had no chance of making the team. Oddly enough, it was during the lockout. And so the the free agent that they signed and gave money to couldn't practice for like three or four days. And that was my opportunity. That was the first time I got put into the starting circle and said, I ain't leaving. And so I went out and I I fought fire with fire. And it, it was the... You know, in New Orleans the year before was the first time I went into a camp and said, I'm either going to make the team or I'm going to get on IR. That was the mindset I had to evolve into. Did I have that as a rookie? No, I didn't have that kind of desperation. I always had a second avenue. And and that's actually a a real negative in football, especially from coaches, is the idea that you could go do something else. That plays in your mind, and you can't go out and give 100% on a field if that's somewhere behind you. And so I had to accept that this was it. I was all in. I actually remember uh, reading a book at the time about Roman soldiers, and they would have some kind of object that they would break in two, give half to their spouse or their wife, and take the other half with them. And I did that. My my wife, I had like this little thing and broke it in half. I gave her half and I said, hey, next time we connect these, it's going to be success. Like we're going to have done it. And we did. It was it was a tremendous moment. But how I did that, how I was able to continue to come back and continue to want to prove people wrong was because it was my purpose. It was my intention. I woke up every day. I stared in the mirror and I said, you will be a starting NFL fullback. You will be a starting NFL fullback. I can be an NFL starting fullback. I really set the precedent of what I wanted and what I want most. And I'm a big believer in I don't lose until I quit. And so I knew if I continued, if I got another opportunity, I had learned from the locker rooms I had left. I had stolen stuff from them that I was going to go and use. And it was on this trajectory that I realized very quickly there were certain things in my control and there were certain things not in my control. I could almost point to every stop of my journey and say, I didn't lose that battle. Something outside of my control. They gave a guy money. They had just drafted a guy. You know, it was a situation. They had a veteran. They had this. And I continued to say, all right, I have to stop looking at what is out there and what is within my control? What, why, how can I control the controllables? And it brought me to three things APE. So I say, control your ape. A is your attitude. What is your morning mantra? What are the seeds you are planting in your head each and every day, looking in a mirror or just saying it to yourself that is going to start your mindset? P is preparation. How am I preparing for what I'm going to do? How is what I'm doing now going to prepare me for the future? I think we look at this time of corona and quarantine and say, hey, this is a moment in time. 
How am I preparing for whatever the new world is going to look like? And the third one is E for effort. Something that takes absolutely zero talent, zero skill, is to show up and give everything. And that effort really came to fruition when I when I accepted, like, hey, I'm on a battlefield. I'm either going to walk off uh, with my shield or on it type of mindset. And that's a, that's the mentality you got to have at that level. That is why I came to a time when I couldn't do that anymore. And it was time for me to walk away from the game of football. But truly, you know, my parents were the first ones to say, Jed, stop, go do something else. We're tired of seeing you get hurt. And it was that internal motivation, that idea that this was my mission and I was not done with it. And Something I came across was a, is a military quote called uh, Charlie Mike, Mike Charlie, complete mission until mission complete. And it's just one of those things. You got to put it in your head, say it every day, and it comes to fruition. You don't lose until you quit, man. And it's such a great mantra and motto to have. And even though there are going to be some people who are, who are doing it with the right intentions, mm-hmm. meaning your parents telling you to quit or your brothers telling you you shouldn't go on social media and what are you doing? These people that are close to us, they tell us these things out of love. Oh, yeah. It's not in any way meant to hurt us. It's meant to protect us. But, and this is the big but, big but. we have to have our own internal compass and direction and purpose that drive us forward. And we have to be the one to make the decision when we stop doing something, when we decide to pull the plug for whatever reason, when you took over the role as a starter, you're not just taking over the role of a starter, you're taking role of a starter on a world championship team, right? And that team, as a world championship team, you also improved, right? They went from an average per carry 22nd in the league to after that year, you were fourth in the league. Mm So you were rated the best fullback that season. And so, I mean, you didn't just, go halfway and you didn't actually perform when you got that opportunity. So, I mean, I, I am so humbled to really have this conversation with you and, and learn about all these things. You talk about this relentless practice and you talk about when you're in this mode, you're in this sort of never say die, never say quit mode. But at the same time, you were looking forward to the future and mm-hmm. to your career. I, I do want to talk about what you're doing now, but I also want to talk about as you went through your career in the NFL, you had an opportunity, a very unique opportunity to be exposed to tons of insights, tons of ideas, tons of best practices, and you were a student. And so before we get into the current chapter that you're on, I do want to talk a little bit about your journey, your locker room journey, where you gained insights along the way. Because, I mean, you have tons of in, in your journal, which there's a book right there, which oh, yeah. I know is on, I know, I know is on the horizon. I know it's on the horizon. I can't wait to read it. But just give us a couple of the insights that really stand out as the most significant that really changed your thinking. And that's what this show is all about. It's not just about a a mild sort of what I'll call a common insight. It's about a life-changing insight. So what are some of those life-changing insights that you gained because of the exposure you had during your time in the NFL? I love how you you made the declaration of, you know, I, I was in it, but I was also looking ahead. And that is when I became a pro, a true veteran, was when I had that switch. And I wrote an article. My switch was always the national anthem. Before the game, staying on the sidelines, we'd get to a moment where my friends called him Jetzilla, the, the guy that goes out on the field. And yeah, right? And I like, I don't know where that guy is today. You know, he, he might have little spurts here and there, but I wonder <laughs> where Zilla went. But 
it was that switch that was becoming a pro is when it needed to go to battle i flipped the switch and i would go out and i was able to do it the the principles i stole from the locker rooms we went through the list I got to be around the best in the world. And I got to see, you know, even the Cleveland Browns, were they successful while I was there? No. Are they usually successful? Not really. But the idea that there are players in there, Joe Thomas, left tackle, guy is going to go down as one of the best players to ever play the position. How can I steal from Joe, man? How can I walk out of every locker room and realize I was a part around greatness? And that is the roadmap I started to set for myself. If I was going to go from this rookie with dreams to a veteran and bringing him to fruition, I would have to eliminate the potential, eliminate the gap in between where I was and where I wanted to go. And that roadmap for me began Rookie to Veteran, which is a, a series in a book I'm writing around 10 behaviors that I believe everyone should implement. And they absolutely have to do with finding your purpose and valuing, prioritizing you're most over now. Successful people do not sacrifice. They prioritize. They value what they want most more. That is perhaps the greatest skill of success. Seeing guys like Drew Brees and his routine, understanding that the, the world in the game of inches is just this much, looking at finding mentors, looking at how to attack problems, how to prioritize your day. But the biggest one that I want to share is this idea is the first step of Rookie to Veteran is being a pro. And it's a mindset shift, and that's why I want to share it, is, is that's what this is about. Professionals do three things. They have confidence, they have trust, and they add value. So when they look at themselves, they are confident they deserve to be in that huddle, in that room, in that position. When the people who know them see them, they trust in that relationship. One of the great books, Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey, is this a trust tax or is this a trust dividend? Am I gaining or taking from that relationship? But the third and most important is pros make you learn their name. They add value. And it was a day down in New Orleans during training camp that I became that pro. It was 2010, and I knew this was the moment I was going to prove my worth. And my play was a chip block, which is no need for football terminologies. Just meant I was going to go by the defensive end and throw my elbow into his ribs on my way out to the flat. And so I did. I do my job. I threw my elbow into the defensive end's ribs. I go out to the flat. And on the way back to the huddle, the defensive end wasn't so fond of it. He's a 310-pound Pro Bowl veteran, you know, 10-year player. He came and he grabbed me by the face mask and he started to lay a barrage of insults and obscenities. But in it, he said something I'll never forget. He said, I don't know you. I don't even know your name. And it was insulting for so many reasons. One, I talked to the guy before. Two, I'd been there for a little while. But most importantly, what he was saying is, as they were looking at the roster for who was going to help them go repeat and win another Super Bowl, I wasn't even on the list. I, he didn't even see my name in that category. And so in that moment, I had a choice. I could be a young, cocky player and just yell my name back at him. I could try to break the trust of practice and fight him and prove my bravado that way. Or I could go back to the huddle. And so in the huddle, the next play was 36 power, which meant me and this 310-pound Pro Bowl player were going to go toe-to-toe again. And so this time, I put my face mask into his chest. I knocked him on the ground. As I walked up, I looked over him, and he held his hand up. I swiped his hand away, and I pointed to my forehead. This was the first day of training, or one of the first days of training camp. We had tape with our, our last names written on it. And it was in that moment 
I didn't say a word, but I had made a play and I'd made this guy learn my name that I'd become a pro. I'd started to think and be and feel like a professional. And that night in the in film, every coach, every player, every scout was going to look at this play and say, watch Collins here. Watch what he does. And that's my challenge to young professionals or anyone in their role. What are you confident in? Write down that skill. Who do you have trust with and who do you need to build trust with in your circle? And then most importantly, what is a project, a play, a client, something you want to put your name on and start to add value to? What a fantastic story and what a great illustration of the insight that you just shared. I mean, and I can't wait to read everything that you're putting out. There's so much to come from you and there's there's already so much out, but there's so much more to come that it, I hope so. it's, in, it's incredibly exciting, man. You, you mentioned something on the front end of that, which I know you were kind of listing a few of the insights, this whole concept of most versus now. Mm-hmm. Can you just share a little bit more about that concept for somebody that heard you say it, but maybe doesn't understand what you mean by that? It is that voice. It's that daily decision. Do you have the discipline to value and prioritize what it is you want most? And so your most is the goal, the destination. Be you know, A plan is only as good as your destination. And you need to always begin with the end in mind. So that most is the thing that after a long day is going to make you smile and know that your success, that little gain, got you closer to it. I discovered this truly, you know, in sports, our most is very easy. It's it's the Super Bowl. And so I was walking off the practice field actually in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was talking to a veteran safety. Didn't show up to the offseason, very prepared or very in shape. And I looked at him. I said, I don't get it, man. Like, this is the NFL. Like, I, I came ready to make the team today. And he said, well, what'd you eat yesterday? All right. I don't, I don't know where we're going, but I, I don't know. I, I had some chicken and some potatoes, maybe a little asparagus. He said, all right, I had a Big Mac. I did the whole thing, went, supersized it, Coke, everything. I said, okay, I still I have no idea where you, what you mean by this, but thank you. And he said, that's the last Big Mac I'll have until February. I said, okay, now, okay, well, what do you mean? He said, that's I love McDonald's. I love Big Macs. And this, that's my jam. But I'm willing to put away what I want right now for that goal, that prize. Each and every day from now until February, I'm going to value my most. Why do I get up at 5.15 a.m.? It's because I value my most. Why do I not go to McDonald's? Because I value my most. Why am I doing this project? Because I, and it was that mindset, that understanding, that power, that once you define a purpose, once you define your why, you can have every decision be made because you have a direction. You have a yardstick that you're aiming for. And a lot of people, you won't be shocked, but most people don't have that defined. They've never even addressed what is the reason. They simply hit the wall and say, ah, I'm going to turn around. Hit that wall. It's easy to turn into McDonald's. McDonald's is good. But what's beyond that wall? Can you see through the wall and see what's on the other side for just a moment? Once you start to see that on the other side of that wall is your most, becomes a lot easier to realize I got to get either around or my old way was just through that wall. (laughs) Right. And really what this is about is discipline Mm -hmm. and having the discipline to remember your compelling purpose above all else. And if something's going to compromise your compelling purpose, chances are you should not do it. And you will be tempted to have that Big Mac. You will be tempted to do something that's going to take you off course. You'll be tempted to turn around because that 
is the easy way out. That is the now. And I agree with everything you said, but I'm, I just had McDonald's recently and I was like, wow, <laughs> McDonald's is so bad. Um, they had a good burger not too long ago and they took it off the menu. So I'm just like, I'm over it. Uh, I'm not a, as up to date on the menu. I, got I know, man. I haven't been there. I yeah. only went there once because my son begged. See, yeah, these there you go. These commercials. The he's like, give me a happy meal. Yeah. Just like every now and then. He's had, he's had probably five happy meals in his life, but I went and I couldn't resist and it was a mistake. Hey, I do want to talk about one more thing in this realm and then we'll, and then we'll dig in. So there's 380,000 college athletes and you've highlighted that about 1% of those become pro Mm -hmm. and which is just staggering. When you think about the fact that you became a pro and recognize that not only did you become a pro, but you became a starter. I know that one of the things that you pride yourself on is you part of the breakfast club, as you put it. Mm-hmm. And you were there early. You were always one of the first people there and learning and, and just being humble and being a sponge, which I love that. And when you think about, and, and this is, might be a little bit of an odd question, but you are an incredibly likable person, like just flat out, like one of the more likable people I've ever met. I'm going to share how that much, with my mom. How much does that play in at a, at a professional level? How much does that play in? to ingratiating yourself in the, the team culture and the management and the decision makers to invite you back to, for next season and the next, and to maybe make the practice squad or maybe make the team or maybe become the, how much does that play into it? Because I just think it's, it's, a, it's clearly a skill in corporate world, mm-hmm. clearly. And it probably is the most important corporate skill is to be able to communicate and build relationships, all those things. How does it play in as a professional athlete? What's so funny is as I was getting cut so many times and bouncing around, stop 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, we actually had to have conversations about my personality. The scouting departments of the new places that were looking at me were calling my agent, calling me and having like personality checks because they're like, you're obviously a jerk because you keep getting cut. Like, something is wrong with you as a human. And I like, it is so bizarre because I'm like, no, it couldn't be further from the truth. A lot of people liked me. It just, and so it was, it's interesting you say that, but as a fullback, because that's the world I knew, I had to look at where I could add value beyond the field. We were never going to stand on a table and hold leverage over a team and say, hey, this is the fullback position. I'm not a star receiver, star running back, anything like that. So I had to look at number one, because I got cut a dozen times, I have to eliminate any reason or give you any thought of why you could cut me. Being a jerk, not having people like me, that's an easy reason to eliminate. Show up with the right mindset, the right attitude. But as a fullback on the team, you are forced into the stepbrother role. You're the stepbrother of the offensive line. You're the stepbrother of the running backs. You know, the the quarterback doesn't really know where you fit in. And, and so it's that idea of if I am a nomad, if I have no real home, I have to be able to integrate. And one of those things that makes me unique is not only did I switch around positions a lot, did I switch around sports? My dad is Creole, so my dad is black. So I always looked at life. If you can see me, you don't see a black man, but I've always identified as half black and half white. And so one of the reasons I use that in football is with everything, people are accustomed to living where they are comfortable. And so I would flirt the black and white line. I would go sit with the different tables, sit with the different positions, sit with different people 
and try to understand the different personalities. And what's so fun is you meet one offensive lineman, you've met a hundred. You meet one linebacker, you've met a hundred. Every position has similar personality types. And so what I tried to do was be likable enough. Again, I was going to have to go battle those linebackers and those defensive ends, but I would try to be likable enough so they would be comfortable enough around me to where I could see what they were doing. So it was absolutely an intentional thing. It is also easier for me because I'm a curious person. I like people this time right now. I'm an extrovert. I need human beings. And so that skill, you're right. Being likable is an easy thing if you are intentional about it. And it's often just being yourself, being confident in yourself and smiling a little bit more. As I would leave buildings, guys would text me or come up to me and say, man, I I don't talk to many when I was a young guy getting cut a lot. I don't talk to many of the young cats. I enjoyed you being here. It was like, all right. So, hey, that that's a win to me. Totally, man. And, you know, it's like we go back and reflect on life. You could look at your journals, but these interactions that you have, they matter They matter immensely and they can absolutely change the trajectory of our lives. And it could be just a single interaction. That's why Mm -hmm. something as simple as smiling, it's it's not what you say, it's how you make people feel. Mm -hmm. And when you make people feel good, when you ask them questions, when you're curious, when you're humble, when you come across as a a genuine, authentic human being, people are going to, that's going to resonate with people. There's so much value to be gained from not only having this conviction to never give up, but also to be a great human being. And so what you did, though, in your career is is absolutely extraordinary. You didn't just become an average player, right? Your first carry ever was a touchdown. (laughs) Your first reception ever was a touchdown. You made the Pro Bowl team in 2011. We're talking about likability and coachability and adding value to companies and adding value to people around you. One of the biggest benefits I got in football was changing a lens because so many and so many players in football and everywhere see life through me, unit, team. And what football forces you to do is flip that and start to see everything through a team, unit, me. And if you can look at a group, if you can look at a, a mission of a company and say the the team, the, the company, the org I work in, and then me as an ind- individual that is a tremendous way to increase your career because people will know this bigger thing is something that you value. Mm, powerful, man. I love that. Well, look, you're, you didn't stop at the NFL. You, you now have this new, incredibly powerful mission and purpose with helping people own their money story. Mm-hmm. And I love this. And you know, you have a mission. It's it's so funny. Last night I was I was walking in the hallway and I thought to myself, you know, Jed's got this mission to impact a million people. I think that's the floor. That really <laughs> is the floor, brother. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding, bro. When I heard you and you talked about, you know, Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, that's when it clicked. Nothing against them. I love them, but you're the younger, fresher voice needed in this world. And it's needed. And you knew that in in your NFL days when you were seeing We talked about the 1% become pro. Well, of the pros, and you talk about this all the time, 30%, 30% walk away with their dream intact. Mm -hmm. And you call it M&M. You call it money and memories. Well, you walked away with your memories because you have your journal. Love it. And you walked away with some money because you 
on the off season, we're getting certified as a financial advisor, right? You've delved into the money world, like not just a little bit, you didn't tiptoe, you like went all in. And so now your mission, and it's so needed because this is not, and you say this, this is not just a jock thing. Mm -hmm. This is a people thing. People are not educated on financial literacy, not even close. And I count myself in that. Oh, me too. I'm I'm a sign me up, man. I'm a student, right? And I know you're not looking for clients. You're looking for students. So talk a little bit about the journey you're on now and you got your podcast, you got your book, but talk a little bit about the journey you're on now and how you came there. And just, uh, it's, you know, and brother, I am so amazed in the research you've done. You, you've prepared for this. I've been on podcasts, but this is a tremendous, um, and it's humbling. So thank you. I, I look at my life and I look at, you know, the, what I consider some of my greatest assets today, and they've all come from trial. They've all come out of fear. So why did I start journaling? I was afraid of my mind. Why I started worrying about money is because of that stat you just mentioned, 30%. And so now I stand in front of NFL or MLB rooms and I say, look to your left, look to your right. One of you is going to capture the dream. One of you. Wake up. And so we look at the life and the world as a whole and we say, all right, you line up a 122-year-old fraternity or sorority or whatever college graduate or non-college graduate how many of them are going to actually end up using money correctly? If you don't know how to use $1,000, you definitely don't know how to use a million. And so right. what I woke up to was my first paycheck came and went the day it it landed. My first NFL getting activated in Cleveland, I got two good game checks. They hit my account, and that afternoon they were gone. Now, full disclosure, I bought an engagement ring. It's a cute story. But I know, yeah, yeah it's a great story. Yeah, too. it's love, you know, so we're it. so married, we got kids. It's, 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 it's all we're, <laughs> it was we're, a, that was probably the best investment you made, even if you spent exactly. a fair amount on it. I would say yeah. maybe LASIK because that's a miracle, but second best investment. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. I uh, won't tell her. I won't tell her. <laughs> uh, but that reality, my relationship was a spender. I, my dad is a, a disciplinarian. He gave me so many gifts in life. My mom taught me how to love. My dad taught me how to discipline. But neither one of them understood anything about money. Even though they were highly educated, they still didn't know this foreign language. And so as my rookie year in the NFL, nobody had taught me. I was an accounting major in college, and nobody ever told me the Johnson family makes $72,000. What will they pay in income taxes? That class has never been created. And so my off-seasons, I had a mentor challenge me, if you really want to learn this language... Study for your CFP. Become a certified financial planner. You'll have a baseline understanding of money. So that's what I did each offseason until I retired. Then I sat for my CFP and I went to work in wealth management. But what I came to realize is helping wealthy people is a very important job. They impact the world. But my fire didn't come from one percenters. My fire came from going to a local high school, a university, a company, and teaching financial wellness, teaching financial empowerment. And the difference between education and empowerment is the confidence to go and act upon these things that we're talking about. And so that's where I set out. I started a business that is called Rookie to Veteran because I believe in the behaviors. The book I wrote is called Your Money Vehicle. And now the book has become a virtual, on-demand, online financial literacy course. The first of its kind, in my opinion, because it's 35 short, five-minute videos that are entertaining, they are engaging, and they are empowering. And we don't just talk about what you're trying to do. We tell you through a story, and then we tell you what to go do. 
And so my mission of a million people and brother, it gave me chills when you said that was the baseline, like that is where we're going to go from. But that idea is to get people to use money. I don't want you to make a check and say, where am I going to go spend this? You make a check, change your habit, change the routine. How can I use this? You understand S strategize E efficient. You can see it right here if you can see it. But that Mm -hmm. is the objective is if I can empower people to use money, we can change our future. This gap that is widening every day at our moment in time. You look at public versus private schools in the fall. Public is going to be at home again. Private is going to be in person. You don't think that's going to extend that leverage or that gap between those two young people? How do we empower them? We have to teach them this language of money. I get to talk to a lot of NFL players, primarily young black men. And I say, Black Lives Matter. One way we need this movement to really take hold is we got to get our finances in order. Nothing is going to systemically change across the nation if we don't handle our own dollars and use them powerfully. And why it's so cool is because athletes are evolving by the day. They are the next generation They are not only the next frontier of wealth, but they are today's role models. And so as we look at it, who cooler to teach and empower than professional athletes, young men and women who can be role models. But like you said, this is not a jock problem. I have a mission to get my virtual course because so many people are going to be at home. Here is 35 videos to teach every student in high school, every senior senior in high school in America should go through this course. And I guarantee they will learn the first 10 questions they have on a financial journey, 10 different topics around money. The transition away from football was extremely challenging from an identity and a a purpose perspective. But one thing I was able to find is a new purpose and a new passion. And, And that's, as you can tell, I get fired up about it. I could not be more proud of the feedback I've gotten from the book and the early feedback we've gotten from this course. And if you want a good laugh and a smile, you'll see some characters I put on to, you know, teach teach people about these subjects of money. Right. When I think one of the things that you pride yourself on, which is so important, is that you're taking what could be a complex subject. And I know the NFL, Major League Baseball, all the sports organizations, they have programs that they put people through, but it's kind of over people's heads. 100%. They're talking and they're talking in terms they're not understanding. And it's and frankly, it's not just them. No, it's any anybody won't oh, yeah. understand it. And so you you break this down in bite sized digestible pieces. You use analogies and storytelling to bring to life these concepts in a way that people will understand. I also love that you know you're not talking about like creating a budget. You're creating about how do you really manage your use of money. Mm-hmm. We're all going to spend money, but you you do highlight some of it, the expenditures, like five bucks on coffee every day. You you invest that. Guess what? You spend. Over the course of a lifetime, right? You tell that. So it's a mindset shift. So I don't I don't like budget. Budget is limiting. Budget controls you. I say cash management because then you have a strategy. You have a plan that you control. I have a system called the money bucket system where we fill up five different buckets. But I challenge people that say you are controlling where those dollars are going. They are your employees. I got to talk to a lot of salary cap people while I would travel in the NFL Not many guys were interested in talking to these cats. So I would go sit down and I would talk to them. And your paycheck is just like the salary cap. It is capped. It is limited. You get to choose who you want to invest in. If you're the Detroit Lions and half of your salary cap is going to go to 
Matthew Stafford and Dominican Sue and Calvin Johnson, that's your choice. But now you get to see it as if you are putting those money there, they cannot go over here. And that is where, again, you come back to most and why I say the rookie to veteran principles and behaviors are so essential in financial empowerment is because you have to act upon these ideas and these concepts. So that idea is, yes, we have one chapter around cash management, how to build out a strategic plan. But then you got to dive into banking and credit and investments and taxes and insurance and cybersecurity and broth accounts, all of these different items, because your money vehicle, while the investment piece is the sexy engine, there are a lot more parts of the vehicle that you have to begin to drive. Oh, man. Like I said, I'm a student. Sign me up. I want to talk about two quick concepts and then we'll wrap up. First concept is this concept of finding a gray beard or, or a gray hair. Uh, and what that means. And the second concept is just the value of practicing things that take zero talent. Mm. Can you talk about those two things and why they're so important? Absolutely. So gray beard, which I adapt to the corporate world as gray hair, because I understand women don't have beards, uh, but we call them gray beards in the, in the locker room. Because if you were 30 and you had any kind of salt in that pepper, man, you were ex- immediately a veteran. You were somebody, everybody was both aiming to take their job but also learning from. And so my challenge is for everybody to go find a mentor, a plus, a minus, and an equal in your mentorship. So a plus is someone you're looking for up to that you're trying to steal from. An equal is a, a peer, somebody who's going through a similar situation. And then a minus is somebody who's looking up to you that you can help out. And you will be amazed at how much you will actually take from those minuses and the equals. Steal from success from everyone. And if you're saying, well, I don't know what to do or how to talk, ask somebody three questions because everybody wants to talk about themselves, their journey. And if you walk in and say, hey, I value what you've done. I want to learn from it. They'll give you 10, 20 minutes, buy them a coffee or offer to do something in their job that is going to give them 20 minutes back and they'll give you a thumbs up. Why did you get into this career? Why are you here? Why? How did you become successful? What should I go work on? Why, how, what? Why did you choose this? How did you become successful at it? What should I go work on? That is the easiest strategy you can walk into a 20, 30-minute mentorship conversation and not waste anybody's time. And then we talk about that idea of things that take zero talent. This is one of my favorite questions to ask successful people is, give me an example of something that takes zero talent and you will hear an endless list of them. We talked about one of them in effort. I think showing up on time takes zero talent. I think smiling takes zero talent. I think remembering people's names takes zero talent. All of those things, those little Mm. subtle inches that you can steal are what make a difference to somebody who says, maybe I don't run a 4.640, so what can I do to not get cut? I can do everything else right, the things that take zero talent. Wow. Love, love all of those, man. And I just uh, practicing those things, what a monumental impact that will have. And so you talk on your show about stealing success and we were able to steal a ton of your (laughs) success today. I I have one, I have one final question. If you had a chance, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Journal more easy. That's an easy one. Uh, journal, journal, journal. When I became a father, I started to write to my girls. When I became a football player, I started to capture my stories. 
but most importantly, writing down my thoughts because they become things and they become who I am, writing down my goals and just honestly being able to communicate who you are, where you're going and what you're doing to yourself is the first step in being able to communicate it to anyone. So definitely journal. Man, oh, love it, man. You've inspired me. I I have journaled, but I have not done it anywhere near as consistently as what you've outlined, but you've inspired me today. And I hope you've inspired other people who are listening to this. I, I want to highlight and call out our mutual friend, Corey Warfield yeah, for connector. connecting us and the connector himself, Corey Connects. You could find Jedediah at jedediahcollins.com is his website. Find him on LinkedIn, connect with him on LinkedIn. He's got a Facebook page, which is jedcollins45. His uh, his LinkedIn is jedediah-collins. His Twitter is jedcollins45. He's also on YouTube. His podcast is Rookie to Veteran, which I love. I've already listened to half the episodes and I'm just excited to dig into the rest of them. Uh, he's got his book, Your Money Vehicle. It's on Amazon. He's got another book uh, coming. I, mm -hmm. I, is that going to be the Rookie to Veteran no, book? The, is, there, is there another? Next up is Rookie Good. to Veteran. Hopefully earmarked you, for January. You could find his work. It's published on Scout, on ESPN. He's also a speaker. He's presented and spoken to companies like Amazon, Microsoft, you name it, the NFL, Major League Baseball, tons of universities. And I think what separates Jedediah most of all is his heart. What am I missing? Where else can people find you, my friend? Right now, I would challenge people to come check out this virtual course, Money Vehicle Online On Demand. You can get it at yourmoneyvehicle.com forward slash drive because you got to start driving your money vehicle. But yes, I, I, Billy, as you are, as Corey connected us, we love connections. We love feedback. Hit me up. Tell me some, one thing. I, I'm big on setting expectations. If you took one thing away from this, it was worth your time and it was certainly worth both of our times. But brother, I appreciate the platform. I truly am humbled by your research and I just am so excited we were connected because our friendship and brotherhood is just starting to grow. Oh man, the feeling is quite mutual and thank you for the inspiration. Your greatest asset is your journaling. It's not that you played in the NFL, it's that you've documented your life and I'm so inspired I'm so inspired by thank that. You, what once embarrassed you, what once you maybe hid from your family is now becoming something that you're sharing with the world mm -hmm. and it's become your greatest strengths. Your observations in the locker room and your observations throughout your life helped you become part of the 1% and become a professional athlete. And it then helped you become part of the 30% to walk away with a dream. You've been able to translate all of these observations, all of these things that you've learned, both from the locker room and from the boardroom and synthesized it into your passion that you have today, which is to help people own their money story. Jedediah Collins, thank you for being on Inside Out. Enjoy the day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, 
and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Inside out. Oh, my God.